Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. Today on Things You Should Know podcast, you're going to learn two things. One, what are the best countries in Europe to travel to for English speakers? The second thing, what are some countries that I can move to, Kelly, and live in for less than $1,000 a month? There are six cities I'm going to tell you about. There are different countries around the world. If you are a traveler or want to be traveler or just itching to get out there and move around, this is a podcast that you don't want to miss. So stick around. The Things You Should Know podcast is our pleasure to welcome you in each and every week. Some of the topics that we discuss on this podcast range from tech to innovation, health and wellness to, yes, unsolved mysteries and crimes. You picked a great day to join us. We've got a great podcast ahead for you. Sit back, relax, listen and enjoy. Thank you for joining us at Things You Should Know podcast. Are you looking to get your money right? Well, why don't you check out SoFi? SoFi is an FDIC-insured, nationally chartered bank that offers checking and savings account and many more platform products. SoFi became a bank in order to bring you the best features, including a simple market-leading interest rate of 1.5% API across all of SoFi checking and savings accounts. SoFi is one of the largest student loan refinancing companies. The online lender has refinanced over $30 billion worth of student loans for more than 375,000 of its members, while delivering many features not offered by banks, credit unions, and other traditional lenders. So why don't you go over to uh, our show notes and check out SoFi if you're looking for student loan refinancing, private student loans, uh, personal loans, you know, you can use for travel or family planning. What about mortgages? Maybe you want to refinance your mortgage or cash out refinance. There's auto loan uh, financing or refinancing. They are good with investing and that includes EFTs and yes, crypto. They have credit cards and their simple banking, checking and savings account. They do offer life insurance, homeowners insurance, renters and auto. You can do estate planning, insight planning, property tracking, business solutions for small business as well. Why don't you go into our show notes today? Check out SoFi, help out with the uh, podcast and help out yourself and get your money right. Hey, you. Yes, you. You're listening to Things You Should Know podcast. You like it? 
You'd like to hear more? Well, great. Would you like to know two different ways that you can support the podcast? All you got to do is when you're done listening to this podcast, go down into the notes, the show notes. There are two links there. Either one. Check them out. Thanks again. Have a great day. Are you thinking about moving to a different country, perhaps in Europe in 2022 or further out? Are you an English speaker? Well, whatever country you go to, you may want to concern yourself with, will I be understood? There are plenty of countries in Europe, of course, which are the most popular for English speakers. Now, me personally, when we travel, I'd like to be respectful of the country that we're going to. And I think it's just... Um, Respectful to try to learn as much about that country before you go. And that would include language. That would include language. Even if you knew the greetings of hello, how are you, thank you, uh, and things like that, it at least shows the countrymen that you have made an attempt to learn their customs and to learn their language. And what are we traveling for? Of course, we want to see these new and wonderful and beautiful cultures around the world. In some European nations, English is widely spoken. I've found that out during this research that in many countries in Europe uh, and abroad, English is a primary language. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, it's about four years ago, four or five years ago, we traveled to the Caribbean and one of the islands that we visited was Curacao. And I fell in love with the island of Curacao and I found out about the people there. Of course, uh, within this span of islands, this was one of the islands where a lot of slaves were uh, dumped and dropped off during the end of slave trade. So many of the people that are there uh, look like I do, uh, African, dark skinned, melanin people. But the language was very different. We had a wonderful tour guide and he would explain to us that the language, for example, when kids are small, first through fourth grade, they're taught Dutch and English. Why? Dutch is because the island is Dutch owned. It's owned by the Dutch and English because of tourism. A lot of people who came to the island, of course, tourism is their number one import. They spoke English. So it was important for them to be able to do that. Uh, the other languages that they spoke widely was Spanish and Portuguese. Now, their common language there on the island is called Papiamento, P-A-P-I-A-M-E-N-T-O. And that is a combination of Portuguese, Spanish, English and Dutch. So many times in the marketplace, you would hear people talking and for a small second, perhaps you thought you understood what they were saying. And it was a couple words here and a couple words there. But I thought it was a beautiful thing that they created their own language and how intelligent you have to be uh, to not only know four languages, but to create your own fifth out of those four. So if you ever travel to Curacao, will they be able to understand you if you speak English? Yes. The answer is yes. The Papiamento obviously will take any of us a, a good amount of time to understand because there are three other languages involved. But my point is this. When you travel abroad, I think it is uh, a good custom 
a kind thing to do is to do as much research as you can about the country that you're going to and about the people that you're going to embark upon. I think they would appreciate it and you would have a much better experience. Now, before we get into what we're going to learn today, which is what are these European countries or the primary languages? English This is number one. And then we're going to talk about six countries or six cities around the world where you can basically live on a thousand dollars or less. Now, this is very similar to something we did earlier this year. So you're going to go back through the archives where we talked about two things. One. If you are a U.S. citizen or someone that lives in the U.S. and you're looking to to come here, there are about 10 cities, I think, that we promoted that you could live on your Social Security check a month uh, alone. So $1,500 or less. So take a look at that podcast. And then in addition to that, we looked a little broader. What countries could we live on our Social Security check if we were to move outside of the U.S.? So this is going to fall in line with that travel uh, piece. And we're going to learn a lot today. Before we get started, though, I would like to thank all of you for joining me. It is always my pleasure to have you into the podcast. To me, this is exciting because uh, I'm about to embark on a trip and I'll talk to you about it when we get back. But I'm really excited about it and nervous, but more excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this will be as far away as I've ever been from home, but also uh, a place that my wife and I have been looking to go uh, for for years. So uh, I'm going to talk to you about that when I get back. But it did kind of spark my uh, interest in this particular article as I was doing some research for my own travel. I ran across these and of course, I thought, why don't I bring it to the podcast? Guys, this is your first time listening to the podcast. Welcome aboard. Please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you don't forget who we are and where we are. We want to have you back every week. So go ahead and subscribe now and uh, go ahead over to our website and bookmark that and do all those good things so that you can keep up with this. Make sure if you go into the show notes that you go ahead and uh, subscribe to our um, newsletter as well as uh, send us a voicemail. You can send us a voicemail. This goes to new timers and old timers. Excuse me. Let us know if you like the broadcast. Let us know if there are any subjects that we could cover for you that are currently not on the uh, the podcast. And we will take that under advisement. All righty. So I hope you guys are having a good week. Uh, whatever day you listen to this, uh, we're recording this on a Monday. So a week's off to a good start. But I uh, hope you guys are having a good week and a good month and a good year uh, in October. So October, November, December will be our fourth quarter of this year. And in October, we are going to begin to summarize and see where we are on our yearly goals. We've had three quarters so far to make a a effort in terms of getting our yearly goals satisfied. And if you're not quite where you want to be, no worries. We're going to talk to you about how to close out 2022 in a successful fashion. Okay. All right, English speakers, which are the best European countries for English speakers? Native English speakers are notoriously poor at learning foreign language. And that's unfortunate because part of it, I think many of us don't even try because we figure why people should learn English, uh, which I think is a terrible uh, sentiment and attitude to have. 
uh, because everyone is not English. Everyone doesn't live in Europe or America or wherever English is primarily their language. And again, I'll say, I think if you're going to go to uh, someone's country, it's just appropriate to do your best to learn the basics of their language. Hello, how are you? Um, thank you and please and different things like that. There was a study of the European Commission in 2020 that found that 62 percent of Brits surveyed couldn't speak a second language. And in the EU, 56 percent of people can speak at least one, at least one. Now, if I had to say my next language, what would it be? Mine would be Spanish. I started when I was in high school years ago learning Spanish. It sort of took and it didn't. And you just have to revisit it over time because the more you speak it, the more it becomes ingrained in you. But of course, the opposite is true as well, which in my case, over the years, I've not had a Spanish speaking buddy or friend or anything like that. So much of my learning today comes from Duolingo. And speaking Spanish with my daughters and, you know, saying things around the house and hopeful, hopefully I'll run into someone out in the, uh, you know, in my in my day to day where I can run into and I can actually practice uh, speaking Spanish. I had one opportunity about uh, three, four years ago. My wife and I went to Puerto Rico for our anniversary, wedding anniversary. And we were able, we took a Spanish class before we went. So we were serious about being able to communicate with folks in Puerto Rico and, you know, in Spanish. And we did some of that. And we did some of that. So there. So there's an international study also of expats. It concerns uh, before moving abroad, the biggest fear. And you guess it, that fear was a language barrier. So if you want to move to Europe, but you're worried about language barriers, here's what the value is today. We're going to talk to you about countries where English is widely spoken. The English Proficiency Index, uh, it released a global education study. Uh, education First, EF, reveals top countries in Europe for speaking English. So that is where this information is coming from. And just so you know, the EF collected the English test results of two million people worldwide, including 35 European companies. I'm sorry, countries to make their classification. Each country received a ranking out of 800 points. OK, so remember that as we go through. All right. So let's take a look. What do we have here? So uh, European countries, top eight spots in the EF's top 10 for English speakers. Number one, um, actually, we're going to start and go 10 to number one, Croatia. Croatia makes it to number 10. Uh, some Northern European countries uh, dominated the ranking, according to this. Other Northern European countries dominated the ranking, such as Finland and Sweden. Uh, they came in ninth and eighth, respectively, while Denmark makes uh, it to the third spot. So number three. OK, so in second place comes Austria, scoring 641 points out of a possible 800. And the top spot went to the Netherlands, to the Netherlands, uh, which scored between 91 and 93 percent of Dutch people uh, speaking. They were able to hold a conversation in English. Netherlands. Hmm. Out of the European countries, Italy came in the lowest so if you're fancy moving to Italy, um, you're going to have to consider some language classes before you go. 
Now, which European countries require knowledge of the language for residency permits? Okay, so you're you're seriously considered being an expat because now we're talking about residency permits. So uh, to gain permanent residency and citizenship, for example, Germany as for knowledge of the language. The current regulations require Germans at a what's called a B1 level of the common European framework of reference for language, CEFR. This is defined as being able to understand the main points of clear standard input on familiar matters regularly encountered in work, school, leisure, etc. In Norway, temporary residence permits have no language requirements, while permanent residency permits uh, require a good common uh, knowledge of the language. Okay, so that's Norway. Now, depending on your circumstance, you may need to complete 250 to 500 hours of Norwegian language lessons and a social studies course. In some cases, you can show that you've passed the Norwegian language test at an A2 level. This is the requirement for uh, Norway. Permanent residency for Switzerland. They also demand familiarity with one of his languages. Now, they speak a number of languages. So you have Italian, French or German, but you need to be fluent at a A2 level for speaking and at an A1 level for writing. What about France and Sweden? Well, they're both currently considering introducing these language requirements for long term or permanent residency permits. Now, which of the European countries have the lowest, the absolute lowest language requirement? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Here's an offer we thought you'd be interested in. Are you looking to develop and create stunning coursework? Uh, launch your stunning academy website in a snap. You can choose from among 50 plus designer made, ready to go, industry specific site templates to launch your website fast and with confidence. It's very simple, very powerful. They're flexible courses. You can wave goodbye to dull educational content. There are countless ways to package and distribute your learning content. Create listed or private courses that can be paid or free courses, or you can drip feed your content to build and to nurture your audience the way that you want. You can create compelling and interactive courses, leverage the most rich library of learning activities, and undoubtedly the most customizable course player in the market to build flexible learning experiences to keep your listeners engaged. And lastly, be the boss of your content and design your final course product exactly as you envision it. Preview it as you build it in real time. Get it up and running fast than you ever have imagined. Why don't you go down the show notes, guys, today and uh, click on Learns World. If you're interested in building courses that matter, you can monetize, create memberships, create courses and create passive income for yourself. So support our sponsor, Learns World. Number one, Spain. They asked for a two uh, diploma of uh, Spanish. Uh, it's called a DELE qualification in Spanish to apply for citizenship. This is equivalent to a high level beginner 
de diploma de español como lengua extraña. I hope I said that right. This is the equivalent to a high-level beginner. That's Spain. And one thing about Spanish uh, I did learn is that depending on where you are in the world, you know, there's a, a large group of Latin X folks. You can be Mexican or Puerto Rican or Spanish from Spain standpoint or Venezuelan, Colombian, uh, wherever. Um, Spain Spanish is a little different. And, and the way that we were taught is that Spanish speakers from Spain are more um uh, I would say um, proper or more st uh, standard to the book, if you will. There's less slang. There's less um, room for uh, uh, error when it comes to the way something is pronounced or written, uh, you know, verb conjugation, et cetera. It seemed to be a lot more strict as opposed to Mexico or, uh, you know, uh, some South American or Central American companies, uh, countries where Spanish is their primary language. I remember that from school because it was it was very uh, trying, very difficult. Now, Portugal, Portugal requires an A2 level of that CFAR for citizenship. Countries such as Italy and France ask for a B1 level uh, language skills in order to apply for citizenship. So those are the countries that have the best English language um, qualifiers, you know, best places they're seeing for expats to move in Europe if you are an English speaker. Again, I'll just go back to the top and say, listen, uh, if you want to go to uh, those top countries like the Netherlands or uh, Denmark or Croatia, Finland, Sweden, and that scored really high, that's fine. Austria and Netherlands, I would say still, um, if you're going to go to Italy and places like that, do your best to take the courses, Germany, et cetera. Do your best to take the courses so that you can uh, be familiar with the language. Now, the last thing I'll say before I move on to the countries uh, in terms of the um, how much it would cost to live there each month is we all have these wonderful gadgets in our hands these days, our phones. And uh, I know I use Google Translate quite a bit to communicate with um People who maybe I don't have the command of Spanish the way that I think I should. And if I'm out in public or if I'm talking to somebody about a project and uh, Spanish is their primary language, uh, you can use these apps. Now, it's not the best way, but still it will keep the communication open. It's better than nothing. So uh, Google Translate uh, is among one of many, I'm sure, uh, translation apps that you could use to ensure that you are communicating clearly with someone that has a different primary language. So just be aware of that. Better to have it than not. So second part of our podcast today, we're going to talk about six cities around the world where you can live in for less than a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars or less a month. OK, a thousand dollars or less a month. Obviously, I'm bringing this to you because, well, one, I told you I'm considering, um, you know, I've got a trip coming up. But two, with inflation and different things happening around the world, people are always uh, searching for ways to uh, decrease their cost of living. And just because you live somewhere for a long period of time doesn't mean you can't 
consider moving or move somewhere or move somewhere for a small amount of time just to see what it's like to live there. Who knows? You may like that new country better, that new city better. Maybe it's more economical. Maybe your money will go much further in Buenos Aires, for example, than in Dallas, Texas or Atlanta, Georgia. I don't think it's a secret that most uh, American cities are, you know, pretty major cities that is are pretty expensive to live in. If you live in your, you know, Los Angeles and San Francisco and Manhattan and places like that, uh, it is on a regular basis relatively expensive to live, let alone when inflation is peaking. So many times people take a look around and say, hey, where could I move to where my expenses would be less? Okay, that's what generated this idea today. So first on tap, you can cover your rent and your living expenses with about seven hundred thirty dollars a month in Buenos Aires, Argentina. In Buenos Aires, Argentina. There was an article in a magazine called uh, Numbo, N-U-M-B-E-O, and it was uh, translated from. I believe Spanish or Portuguese. I, I don't know the primary language in Buenos Aires. I think it's Spanish, uh, but it was translated uh, in August of 2022. And basically it talks about the cities that you could live comfortably for a thousand dollars a month or less, a thousand dollars a month or less. And of course, as always, I'm going to post this article on our Facebook page so you can kind of go through it at your leisure or refer back to it. Should you decide later on, Hey, I actually don't mind taking a look at Buenos Aires or wherever to see if I like to move there. Now, Numbio, N-U-M-B-O, is a website as well as a blog. It provides a crowdsourced summary of the cost of living in major cities around the world. So it's crowdsourced, meaning people are inputting a real-time data so that you can see on a real-time basis what it costs to live where. The site provides an estimate on monthly living costs. Uh, without rent for a single person in each city. And it also calculates two prices for a one bedroom apartment, one for the city center and one for uh, something on the outskirts. Okay. All right. So let's see our first one. Uh, hmm. Santo Domingo, Santo Domingo, Chile. Santo Domingo offers incredible panoramic views of the Andes. The mountains are absolutely beautiful, uh, cosmopolitan cultural and a relatively cheap cost of living. So about 35 percent of the country's population lives in the capital. It's a big, beautiful, thriving city. It has lots of museums and it has two Latin America top three universities. In Santo Domingo, $1,000 is enough to secure you an apartment near the city center and also cover your living expenses. That's Santo Domingo, Chile. Next up is Bulgaria, Sofia, Bulgaria. Bulgaria is well known for parties and different things like that, but the country has a lot more to offer. As beautiful churches and museums and cathedrals and mountains and outdoor space and certainly an extensive history. According to uh, Numbio, it indicated that the quality of life in Bulgaria's capital is comparable to that of Paris. 
The cost of living, however, is far cheaper in Sofia, where $1,000 a month is enough for your accommodations and your living expenses. That is Sofia, Bulgaria. Next is Turkey. Bursa, Turkey. That is spelled B-U-R-S-A. It's one of the fourth largest cities in Turkey and it's often referred to as Green Bursa. It's obviously a reference to its outdoor spaces and its parks. But as you see, or when you when, when you take a look at the article, such a beautiful backdrop of mountains versus city landscape, it is breathtaking. Many sulfur springs surround the city and the famous uh, Uludag, U-L-U-D-A-G, mountains help make the city a great spot for nature lovers. So you don't have very far to go for outdoor space. Now, an apartment, what would you think in Turkey? An apartment near the city center along with your living expenses, would only set you back a whopping $650 a month. Hmm. Interesting. That is Bursa, B-U-R-S-A, Turkey. What about Mexico? Monterey, Mexico comes in next. It is a beautiful city. It's a large city because it has about a million inhabitants, and that's larger than Paris and Milan. That is larger than Paris and Milan. It is uh, gained a reputation as a progressive city. This is in North Mexico, and it's also an important industrial area as an important industrial center. A one-bedroom apartment outside the city center and living expenses would set you back about $900 a month. Now, if you wanted an apartment in the actual center, of the city, it would cost you just under $1,100 a month. That includes your living expenses as well. Hmm. Monterey, Mexico. Coming up next and last for our six cities is Cape Town, South Africa. Now, this really caught my attention because I sort of heard the reverse of this, but I've heard how modern and beautiful South Africa has become. So Cape Town is certainly on my list of places to go. It has beaches. It has mountains. It has great weather. Cape Town is a spectacular place. You can get a one-bedroom in Cape Town outside of the city center and covering your living expenses at only about $1,000 a month. For the keen to be in the center of the city, you'll need to add on another $250. So $1,250 a month for rent and living expenses if you wanted to live in downtown Cape Town, South Africa. Hmm. Now, if any of these places sound fun, familiar, interesting, uh, listen, take a look at this article, continue to refer back to this podcast, uh, and hey, check them out. Go to their website, go to their country sites, and just, first of all, start off with this article, and so you can see some of the pictures of some of these places that are absolutely breathtaking. But next, do your research. Do your research. You know, we talked about the uh, one of the primary things that we want to concern ourselves with if we want to become expats. And I'll tell you the top three things for me. The top three things are the ability to communicate. Of course, we talked about uh, language uh, first in terms of countries that would be primarily English speaking or at least kind to English speakers are easily understood. 
So that's important. Give me a little time to learn the language as well. Second thing would be cost of living. You don't want to move to a place where you can't afford to live there. Now, if you're in the States or if you wherever you are, you want to move somewhere else to decrease your cost of living. It only makes sense that you find a place like what we just talked about that has a lower cost of living. Fifteen hundred dollars a month, um, relatively speaking, around the world is considered a reasonable sum of money to have living expenses and uh, a home or an apartment, especially in a city or city center. And we were talking about a thousand dollars a month. Okay. And then the last thing is accessibility to goods and services. So for me, medical, food, and access to, you know, just uh, uh, quality of living type of services, be it restaurants or uh, hotels or outdoor activities, those would be my top three things I would want to know about before I moved uh, to a particular country. Some of the countries that I've eyeballed, uh, this is on my personal list, not on the article that I was referring to for uh, the majority of the podcast, but my personal list include uh, Canada, uh, which I know is not a very uh, low cost of living based on moving from the States to Canada. It's, it's, it's not equal. It's a little less, but it's, it's not like if I move to uh, Argentina, uh, London. Also the same, Costa Rica, which I think is a significant significant um, decrease in terms of my cost of living would be. And we, let me see, we said Costa Rica, uh, Canada, and London. Um, what's the other place? Panama. These are places that my wife and I have talked about uh, living for at least a year, just to kind of see how we like these places, to see if we want to become expats? Do we want to leave the United States? Do we want to stay somewhere permanently? Do we just want to have a place to go to several months out of the year? We don't know, but we're open and ready to explore. And I hope you guys are too. And I hope this information has uh, positively uh, affected you in some way. Maybe you were on the, on the border of thinking about going to Europe, thinking about some of these countries, whether it was I don't know, Albania, Bulgaria, Norway, Sweden, it doesn't matter. A lot of these places are so beautiful. I just think it's important for you to see the world while you can. Okay? All right, guys. Thank you again for joining me today. Come check us out uh, again very soon. We'll have more great content for you here at Things You Should Know Podcast. Been my pleasure as always. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you don't forget to do that. And I will talk to you soon. Have a good one. That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates, and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads. 
and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.